Okay, well, here we are. It's the uh, second quarter recap, and this time Andy had a conflict, so it's just me and Yan. Back to the uh, to the OGs. I want to. I should start by saying I want to hear all about your sabbatical and your time off. I always forget to mention that we're part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I think we are anyway. We were. We probably don't do enough to, I don't know, earn our credentials or whatever you have to do. Um, they graciously share a lot of our episodes. And mm-hmm. uh, so I always forget to mention that we're a part of that. And so I want to make sure that I mention it here. Thank you, Pantheon, for having us. Now, so if you go on the front page of their, their thing and look at the list of podcasts you, down the bottom, you'll see us. Okay. Because I think we, I think that went away for a little while and maybe we're back. I'm not exactly sure, but that's good to know. I wasn't sure yet. We, we still, we haven't done much with that yet. I think we still have to move to their hosting platform. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll need to do, I'll need to take care of that. I'll need to do. There's that. a lot of, I'll, <laughs> um, I, I haven't, you haven't seen these, but I've been getting emails lately that some of our episodes are being, being booted off of Spotify because of, rights purposes or licensing or whatever they which is weird to me because we purposely never play entire songs uh-huh. um on the show for this very reason or if we do i'm talking over them so that you can't get a clean perfect recording of anything and um and yet they say we're out of compliance which can't be because we never play a complete song um you know without an interruption so anyway so that needs to be, I don't know what to say about Spotify. I hear from people sometimes that say all your episodes aren't on there. That's another issue because I think Spotify, is it that they only accept MP4s and some of ours are in MP3s and they all oh. need to be converted or something like that? No, they'll accept MP3s. Oh, so that maybe whatever it is, we have to convert or transition some of our older episodes into whatever file works for them and we just haven't done it. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There's a the, the older episodes were all Apple lossless. Ah, uh, well, we'll figure it out eventually when we have yeah. huge swaths of time with nothing else to going on. Uh, okay, yeah. Tell us about your time off. You took most of the month of May off. How yeah, are you I, doing? Uh, that was much needed. I, I did a whole lot of nothing. Good. Other than other than my job. Yeah. 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 So it was. 
becoming clear that you needed a break or something because, and I, I'm somewhat to blame for this. I don't mean to bombard with bonus material. It's just sometimes that's what the time, the timing works out, you know, mm -hmm. certain authors are only available at certain times or recaps are coming along or whatever. And I don't mean to keep, oh, it, no, keep it coming so much. I just, that's, and so it was just becoming harder and harder. It seemed for you to stay on top of it all. And uh, I, other things going on too. So. I, yes, you have. You've got a lot of stuff going on. So, but it's you're a new man since you came back. Oh. Episodes are coming out not in the four o'clock in the morning your time anymore. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was much needed there, and I just did a lot of just nothing. Yeah, good. Yeah. And uh, I was supposed to, I was supposed to go to a Catherine Jenkins concert, but that got cancelled. Do I know Catherine Jenkins? I don't know if I know who that is. Welsh opera singer. Oh, ooh, that sounds nice. Yeah, I won't give you any prizes for guessing what color hair she's got. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. She's a redhead. Uh -huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh, no, she's she's a good singer. She I believe it. Really good singer. I saw so I saw her in December last year and she was really, really good. good. So I was supposed to see her again in right at the end of May, but it got cancelled. The the council wouldn't give the people their permit. Oh, what? That sucks. And then they, like, two months later, three months later, they tried to blame it on rail strikes. Ugh. And so I got my money back for that, and uh, I'll talk about what that I'll talk about what that paid for later on. Uh, got it, got it. Okay, <laughs> getcha. Okay. Well, yeah, good. And a huge, huge, huge thanks to Ryan Murphy, Rob Disner, Ken Mills, and James Milton, all for stepping up uh, during your time off to produce an episode. You guys did great. We needed you desperately. And now you're all on the hook to hopefully do it any other time that yeah needs a break or can't do it some week. We're grateful to have so many of you that um, are able. So thanks, everybody. And Ken, I'll tell more. Well, I'll save this till we get to it later. But he wasn't in a very good place at the moment, and he did it anyway. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, what about life events? Anything new going on in your life? Nothing. Much okay, so work good, everything, yeah, yeah, yeah life running, family good, yeah. So, I'm running, I'm in, I say in charge, I'm not in charge, but I'm the one responsible for some, some uh, major uh, projects in terms of we're on a particular piece of software and it comes off of support mm -hmm. next, next year, and so we've got to migrate everybody that uses it to a much newer release so i'm i'm the one mm. doing all the all the legwork for that that's interesting i'm <laughs> i'm usually on the other side of that i'm the one selling you the software because <laughs> i'm your account manager and i'm the one like hey just so you know you guys got to migrate to the new thing before it goes it's end of life or, or whatever you know or you're not going to get support anymore i'm that guy and you're the guy who's carrying it out. That's funny. Yeah. Um, good. Uh, 
And then what else have we got? Usual life <laughs> stuff. Yeah, usual life stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. hopefully, hopefully more gigs later on in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm in the middle of a, <laughs> I'm seeing seven shows in two weeks. And oh, um, I know it's crazy. So I'll get into my concerts here in a minute, uh, all the other ones from this quarter. So this past Wednesday, the Indigo Girls were here and Garrison Starr was the opener. And um, oh, nice. it was, it was incredible. And I emailed Amy Ray, because she had been on the show, and I was like, I hope this is okay to ask. I'd love to be able to say hi to you while you're here. Um, uh, she wrote back and was like, yeah, I'll put you guys on the list. And she gave us backstage passes. And then after, I didn't realize Garrison was even opening until Farrah and I were planning on going to the show and saw her name on there. It was so funny. I text Garrison. And I was like, I had no idea you were opening for the Indigo Girls. I'm going to be there. And she wrote back, hell fucking yeah, dude. That's what her text was. It was so funny. She was like, they're the nicest people in the world. So anyway, we went to the show and it was, a, they were, it was so gracious of them to put us on the list. I have to admit there was a poll in the middle of, so we were kind of obstructed view. So in my <laughs> seat, I could see Emily, but not Amy and where, and George and Farrah sitting next to me could see Amy, but not Emily. Cause the poll was right in the middle, but right. um, it was at this venue called Chautauqua, which is a really old barn up in Boulder. And afterwards they led all of us to this cabin across the street. And it's sort of like the, uh, like a green room kind of, that's where the bands hang out. And um, Amy came up to me. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I wanted to make sure you made it gave me a big hug. Garrison was hanging out with us. It was so cool. So cool. And they sounded great. And um, I just I just loved all of them. Garrison's going to come back on in October, by the way. Um, someone who's going to be on the show next month is a colleague. They are friends and have worked together. And they're both coming on to do kind of like a panel discussion. So oh, nice. that'll be really fun. Yeah, I love them. So that was Wednesday. Thursday night, Megan and I went and saw Brian Adams and Joan Jett. And uh, that was really fun. The tickets were only 25 bucks. There was this sale going on. And we were up in the nosebleeds, but it was totally great. So that was fun. And then I had a night off. And then last night, get this, we went and saw the Avet brothers, who I had never seen before. And bless his heart. Their manager is a guy named Dolph, and he's one of our listeners. And mm -hmm. Dolph reached out to me like over a year ago and was just like, I love your show. Um, he gives me, tells me his whole story. You should have me on. I've got a million stories. He says that I manage the Avet brothers. And uh, I was like, that's that's amazing that the manager of the Avet brothers found us and thinks that we're cool. And then a few months ago, he emailed me and was like, John, the Avets are going to be there for three nights in July. Can I leave you some tickets and you guys can come to the show? I'm like, absolutely. So Fair and I go to the show, and one of my best buddies is this guy named Matt Sheffield. And mm -hmm. Matt is a Avet Brothers junkie. He travels. It was his 27th show last night of the Avet Brothers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Matt's from Denver, but he lives up in Spokane. And he traveled here to see all three of their shows. So I was connecting with Matt. And I was like, guess what? I'm going to be at the show tonight. And I even get to go backstage. And if you want, you can join me. So 
Dolph says, meet me at this po- particular, this is at Red Rocks, keep in mind, the greatest outdoor venue in the world. Dolph says, meet me at this, at this one spot. So Farah and I, Matt and his daughter, Gabby, we all meet him at 10 o'clock. The show is still going on. Uh, Dolph takes us backstage. We see the eating area, the, all the, whatever's going on backstage at Red Rocks, we see it. And then he takes us onto the stage and he says, sit here in about two or three minutes. This place is going to go crazy. Get your phones out. We're literally on the side of the stage. And, uh, and they're playing some, I, I meant to check. I don't even know what the name of the song is. I posted a video of it. We get our phones out. He's like, ready? Here it goes. And they hit this moment and the entire mountain goes bananas. Some climactic moment, one of their songs. And there's lights everywhere and everyone's jumping and going crazy. And I'm, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And the four of us are on the stage watching this happen. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then he took us like into the sound booth. There's this sound area uh, where they do all the lighting and sound at Red Rocks. And uh, it's sort of underground. You have to go underground to get there. And we got to watch part of the show from in there. It was incredible. It's total class. And um, so anyway, that was last night. Tonight, James, who produced one of our episodes, James and I are going to see Sparks tonight up in Boulder. And you. then That's this coming, uh, I know. And then this coming Thursday... UB40 is in town, and uh, I emailed them and was like, hey, it'd be nice to say hello. And they're like, sure. They put me on the list. And uh, so me and my buddy Santosh are going to see uh, UB40. The following week, Tim Tom Kiefer, the former lead singer of Cinderella, who's been on the show, uh-huh. is in town. They put me on the list for that one. And then a few, couple nights later is Tears for Fears. They're coming through town. I've never had anybody from them on the show, sadly. They're like top of my list. But the tickets were only 25 bucks. So Georgia and I are going to go see Tears for Fears and sit in the nosebleeds and watch it. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. So that'd a lot of fun. Good. I'm in the middle of this like concert tour de force. Speaking of which, you've been to a lot of shows lately. Tell us about it. All right. So I went to, at the end of April, I went to Michael Bublé, and it was a late, late buy, so I couldn't get great seats there were some seats down in the in the on the floor but they were like three to four hundred bucks yeah well it would be about three to four hundred bucks if i was but if it was your your prices it was actually no wait no it was more because it was three to four hundred pounds oh ouch yeah yeah so i didn't do that because i was having to buy two so that was a that was a 50th birthday treat for a friend yes um you know, was that at the hydro it was it was at the hydro okay and so that was that was quite he puts on a show and he recognizes his concerts are expensive he he says it and mm-hmm. but uh he's really appreciative of people coming out and it, it was he puts on a show it's what i mean if you don't even if you don't like his music is it's a good show Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's, got, he's got a nice he's got a big band it's it's yeah. pretty good then i was supposed to go see Catherine jenkins at the end of may but i had uh, other plans came up so i couldn't get that one i couldn't go to that one and it got cancelled anyway mm-hmm. so i was i was away doing doing some uh, tech related stuff and i get message we're missing Catherine jenkins right now like, no, we're not. It's it's cancelled. 
I'll, I'll make it up. I'll make it up to you after. So I was sitting in a very, very boring presentation on energy uh, consumption and preservation. <laughs> I was almost falling asleep. I'm like, oh, I got to do something. Start looking up. Uh, oh, Elton John tour, farewell tour. Oh. oh, look at that. Oh, there's seats available. <laughs> uh, what are you doing Wednesday night? Uh huh. And uh, I got back, no, oh, nothing much. So I said, How about Elton John farewell tour? <laughs> Sly, that is great. And so, hear this. I took, so I had meetings in the morning on the on the day of. Mm-hmm. And so I go in early so I could prep for my meetings that I had to, to have. And then I got, uh, while I was going through the meetings, I got a, a, call to, a call to say there was a problem with a particular set of systems. And both the guys that were responsible for that were out. Mm. And so we were trying to we were covering for them and so sitting there trying to f- fix things and couldn't find any issues mm-hmm. well i can't find any issues boss mm-hmm. can i go now mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i had a four-hour drive for the concert yeah four yeah. and a half hour drive for the concert Goodness. and so go to the arena for the gig and we're way up at the back because mm-hmm. that's what was available of course yeah late late breaking seats mm-hmm. uh, but it was amazing i mean i believe it I, w- I wasn't a huge fan of elton john's music but he's amazing live oh yeah that's what i've heard i've never yeah. seen him and now he's going to be done i will have never seen him but yeah. well, i've got some videos i'll send them to you okay i think you may have emailed me once or twice um yeah, yeah that would be incredible yeah and now he you was- can say now he's gonna if he truly does fade away you can say you you were there yeah, yeah, and then while I was in Switzerland, I saw a, a Queen tribute band called Break Free, and they mm-hmm. find themselves as the best Queen tribute band in in Europe, and they're not wrong. Really? Ooh, fun! Oh, yeah, they're not yeah. wrong. They, okay. they even had, they even had somebody come on for when they did somebody to love. They even had somebody come on and imitate my. Uh, George Michael for the really? yeah <laughs> nice and he was good. The, I the believe guy, it. The, the the guy that did Freddie was good too. He was excellent. Good. And then I had I can't remember the name of the actual opener for uh, the Black Keys, but there was there's a a band. I think they were from. I want to say they were from Texas. Yeah. I think they were from Texas. Keep talking, and I'll look it up. And then there was Spoon, and yep. they, the place was pretty full almost by the time Spoon were on. And then by the time Black Keys were on, it was absolutely heaving, mm-hmm. and the place was, the place was singing along, amazingly. That's the best sixty I've spent on a gig this year. I believe it. I've never seen them either, and I've always wanted to, and. Uh... I'm so bummed that I missed it. Was that at the, was that, was that in Glasgow? The, yeah, that was at the Hydro. Okay. Shannon and the Clams. I've never heard of Shannon and the Clams. They were good. Really? Okay. Yeah, they were decent. Okay. 
Um, I've never been that into Spoon. I uh, I don't know why. I've had friends love them and try to turn me on. I don't actively hate them or dislike them. They've just never done it for me. But I hear such great things, and your reporting was so good about how much you enjoyed it. I thought I probably need to see Spoon at some point and uh, give them another chance. They are good live. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. They are. They're really tight. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. In the last few months, I saw my buddy Jeff and I saw went to a, a Fishbone were here, and they put on a free show, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And then the another buddy of mine, Shannon, he had a spare ticket to the Pixies, and uh, I love the Pixies. I've seen them a couple of times, and they're not very good live, not as good as you'd want them to be. And um, there's no crowd ba stage banter. I wish there was. They kind of remind me of a band sort of going through the motions, but I love their music so much. And it's funny. He, I said, how much do I owe you for the ticket? And he said, well, we can meet up for dinner beforehand, and you can buy my drinks. And uh, I'm like, great. And so we met up at the, there's a restaurant next door to the venue and I had already eaten. I wasn't hungry. So I figured, well, I'll just buy his drinks. Well, he hadn't eaten yet. So we ate dinner and had drinks. And I said, I'll just pay for all of it to make up for it. I'm pretty sure I paid more for his dinner and drinks than the cost of the ticket would have been, but whatever it was. And it turned out to be a great show. Still no stage banter necessarily, but it was the best of the three times I've seen the Pixies. I, I love them. Um, after that, I saw the Hoodoo Gurus, which was a dream come true. As everyone knows, I love them. I think they're just about the most perfect power pop band ever. And I've never seen them live. And this tour was supposed to have happened during COVID and it didn't got until now. And uh, they played in my, lo my favorite local venue called the Bluebird. And I have to give a special thanks to uh, this guy, Liam Dennis, who is a, like a PR guy that I've talked to. In fact, we have an episode coming up that relates to Liam hooking me up. And I'm so grateful. And um, I would have gone to the Hoodoo Gurus anyway, but he put me on the list since Dave had been on the, Faulkner has been on the show a couple of times. And uh, it was magical. It was just what I've always hoped a hoodoo guru show would be they're one of a kind i love them and then seal came through town and with trevor horn from as opening oh, up as the buckles yeah that would be a great show it was so they uh live nation had this that has this sale every year where for like a week um certain shows go on sale for 25 bucks and my buddy Jeff and Megan and I were all kind of on the site trying to figure out what shows were going to be 25 bucks and who wants to go to what, who can get what. And I couldn't find tickets to seal for 25 bucks, but Jeff had a friend who could. And so they got tickets and invited me. And I was so glad it was me and Jeff and this other buddy of ours from work, Mike. And I don't know how people feel about seal because I love him. I, I mean, he's his first album especially is a big one for me, but I feel like his legacy might be a little bit watered down, or um, I don't know, like like soccer moms like Seal, but does he have like street cred? Is he cool? Is he a good artist? I believe he is, and I had seen him a couple of times, but it's been years, and um, he was fantastic, and it was interesting because 
he was saying like, look, I've been, I haven't done this in a long time. I sort of went down the wrong road. I'm trying to make up for it now. I'm back. I'm embracing my past. I'm embracing my crowd. He came out into the crowd right next to us and saying, kiss from a rose and crazy. And the crowd went nuts. And he's look, he's making an, an effort to look at everybody around him deadly in the eye to like make a connection, a spiritual connection with them. And I appreciated it so much. And he, uh, it was amazing. And I'm, I'm as sick of kiss from a rose as the next guy, but it was so elevated because of his effort to make it a spiritual experience. And, uh, I just loved it. Can I tell you? Yes. I've, I've got that, that song on a karaoke app. It is one of the most difficult. I I've believe it. Tried to, tried to sing. <laughs> I cannot figure out what the words even are. I don't know what he's going on about. And when you, it's interesting when I was listening, cause he performed, uh, the show was built around his first two albums. He didn't play the whole thing of each album, but he played like half of each of his first two albums, which is what you'd want anyway. And you realize his lyrics are really unconventional. They don't always rhyme. They don't always fit exactly in the bar or the stanza of music. He kind of, shoves them in there but they make sense anyway it was incredible and the buggles that, opened yeah go ahead yeah that's totally a difficult one to sing i believe it i'm not surprised at all so the i felt a little bit bad for the buggles because everyone knows that i practically worship trevor and the buggles came out and they played maybe six songs and i knew them all but not everyone else did they played you know video kill the radio star obviously they played um, Art of Noise close to the edit, which um, I knew, but I wasn't sure how many other people knew. They played Owner of a Lonely Heart because Trevor had a hand in writing and obviously produced that song. So everyone knew that one. And then he played like three or four. Um, they kicked off with like an instrumental version of Two Tribes because he had, co he had mm -hmm. produced that one. And then he played two or three other like deeper Buggle songs that I don't know if anyone got, but I was just in heaven hearing this. And then his band stayed on and were Seal's backup band. Anyway, it was just one of the most satisfying cultural or uh, concert experiences I've had in a long time. That's interesting that he played Owner of a Lonely Heart because that's not a Buggle song. It's a yeah. No, I know, but he helped co write it and produced it. And so he, yeah. he even said, he was like, this was yes, but I feel some ownership of it because I. Trevor Rabin and I wrote it. So I feel like it's okay for me to play it. And it's probably a good thing he did because it got the crowd more interested in him. You know, they know yeah. that song. So, but um, anyway, it was great. And again, that was just 25 bucks. And then bless her heart for my birthday, Megan, my concert wife, uh, got us tickets to see Noel Gallagher um, in concert. And, it meant a lot to me because thankfully she's become like my main plus one whenever I, cause Farrah doesn't care at all about going to all these concerts. And so I usually go with Megan because she likes huh. all the same stuff I do. And the bill was metric who I love and had never seen before. And it was shocking to me. They didn't play, um, help. I'm alive, which is their biggest song. I don't know why. And then Noel came out and played in the middle and it was, I, as you all know, I worship Noel and Oasis as well, too. And it was so great, but it 
he played like 45 minutes or so. And then Garbage came out, and I'm just only so-so on Garbage. They've never really done much for me. And I've seen them a couple other times, including just like nine or ten months ago, opening for Tears for Fears. So I wasn't super jazzed about that one. And it started pouring rain, pouring rain. And uh, Megan and I are there just soaking wet. And we both saw them open for Tears for Fears. And so we were like, do you want to go? I don't know. Do you want to go? They actually sounded really great this time, but it became so unfun standing there in the pouring rain that after about eight songs, we ended up leaving. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so thank you, Megan. I, I could have gone to Muse, but... Ooh! Yeah. I've never they seen were... them live, and apparently they're amazing either. They're amazing too. Well, they were playing in Glasgow a couple of weeks ago, but it was abs- it was it was raining pretty good. So, uh, uh. Did, by the way, I, I ticket, so I'm glad I didn't. I would have. Okay. Got yeah, I think Kiss was there last night or the night before. Yeah, I have a few Scottish friends that uh, David Carrick, Scott Crouch, or no Scott Webb, and it, I, they're posting pictures of seeing kiss i think at the hydro last night or the night before yeah i wasn't sure if well i wanted to go see them but Uh with everything going on right now i I understand yeah they're a lot of fun i recommend seeing them once and then you realize they do the same show every time and it's not as cool but it's still fun once well this is the this is their goodbye tour too so yeah I think it's also maybe their fourth or fifth farewell tour. So we'll see. But yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. It's weird. Um, and then lastly, oh, go ahead. These guys are all getting old. So they are. At, they some, are. Point, at some point, it becomes too much. I know. I know. I know. But then they've been doing it their whole lives. And I think they do a farewell and it's going to sound great. And then they go home. And within a week, they're like, what do I do now? All I know to do is put on the makeup and spit fire and, um, you know, play the bass. And I, they, so I don't know. No one can ever just retire and go play golf and kind of go on with their life. I got to mention one more concert. The last one I went to in this last sequence was Louise Post from Veruca Salt, who was on the show. And it was one of the best concert experiences I've had this year as well. She played this little place called the Globe Hall, which is, it's a barbecue restaurant. And then it has like an anti-ballroom next to it, uh, attached to it. It's not very big. And um, there were maybe 60 people there, 60 or 70 people. And the opener was this band called Buckets, who were a bunch of like 20-something kind of, they were, dre- you, they all like had mustache. You, were, you could tell they were trying really hard to be cool but nerdy they all had mullets they had like mustaches wore like secondhand thrift store clothes they were fun but it was a little weird and they played to like maybe 20 people and then louise comes out with her band kicking absolute ass it was one of the best i could not believe how great this show was and um i'll talk more about louise when we get there but anyway it blew me away how great and you can tell the difference between an amateur and a pro in a small venue like that because a pro comes out and knows how to fill the whole room 
with their presence and their sound and their stagecraft, and an amateur doesn't, and she knew how to do it. It was incredible. Oh, yeah, totally. All right, so the the night I went to see Shaman and the Clams and then Spoon and then Black Keys, you yeah. could... You could oh, see I believe it. Yeah. 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 Right, don't not to take anything away from the, the I get it. set up. They were good. Mm-hmm. But the the others were Yeah, pros. Spoon were spoon were order of magnitude better, and then the black keys were in order of magnitude better than spoon. Perfectly Maybe. said. Yeah. And they might get there, the whoever in the clams, you know, they gotta start yeah. somewhere. But yeah, you can tell. Two more live events I want to mention. One is our buddy Mike Wiles came through Denver. He's the host of the Rock, no Retro Rock Roundup podcast. He's been on here before. He's a good buddy. I play name that tune with him sometimes on Saturdays. And we finally got to meet in person. That was great. We went out to dinner, went record shopping. And uh, this may be old news by the time this goes up. I don't know. But we are literally days away from hitting a million downloads. We're about a thousand downloads away. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. And that's like four days worth, three days worth of downloads. Yeah. So this probably will come out after that download, after we've hit a million. And but just, just in case, so, oh, go ahead. And just so that people are aware, we've got goodies to give away. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yan has taken it upon himself to collect. I know of at least one, possibly two or more fantastic gifts to give away um, at the time uh, that we hit a million. Um, I will. I would say that there, I mean, if you wanted to join Patreon, what I might do is delay announcing. So if anyone out there wants to join even the $2 a month Patreon thing, just to sign up so you might win a couple of these goodies, I would highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. So, um, I, yeah, Jan has a big smile on his face right now, uh-huh. too, because he knows how great these are. So, anyway, uh-huh. um, I will wait to I will wait to announce uh, or or post on Patreon what the things are uh, until a few days after this comes out, just so that people know get a chance to join Patreon if they want to, because you're going to want to. And um, but yeah, thanks to everybody who helped us hit a million. I wish it didn't take eight years to get there, but whatever, we got there. I think the second million probably won't take as long because we'll have so many episodes for people to go. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like, too, the last year or so, our numbers have really shot up lately. It, uh, yeah. Yeah, we've, we're finally getting to where I hoped we would always be. So um, we're going to recap the last three months. We'll try and do this swiftly. Um, the April kicked off with an episode with Peter Case. Um, I am—I will say I'm a much bigger Plimsolls fan. I miss the Plimsolls. They were an excellent power pop band from the early 80s and the Nerves, for that matter. Um, his solo stuff is good. It, um, it's kind of alt-country-ish a guy in acoustic guitar and it feels like there's a lot of those but he is such a great songwriter that um and he's kind of a legend in his own way the thing i liked most about this conversation was being able to talk with him about that john coltrane church in san francisco that he plays at sometimes because as i said i went there once years ago 
early 2000s, I think. And uh, it was an amazing experience, but I didn't think it was still around. And I'm glad that it is. It's If you're ever in the Bay Area and want to go, want a unique experience, go visit the Church of John Coltrane, because it's really fantastic. And now there's a documentary on him, which I think you can rent. Um, his PR person sent me the link for it. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but um, I'm glad that he's getting his due. Did you know anything about him or the Plinsouls or anything like that? I'd heard the Plinsouls, but I didn't ha- hadn't heard much of their stuff, but I was aware of them. Yeah. Uh, a million the, miles the, away is a classic. The, the the story about the church that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, and yeah. and then for you to be able to tie back into that because you've been there, that was awesome. Uh-huh. That was pretty neat. I know. I was glad. I could have just kept talking about that. Um, after that, we had one of those impromptu panels. Um, uh, BJ, Eric, and Brad Page all joined. This was. Um, we were talking about how difficult it can be sometimes to open our minds. We all think of ourselves as really open-minded music lovers, and yet it's so difficult for us to truly embrace new music and, for some of us, certain genres of music. And why is that? And uh, and I, I will say, I mean, those are three of my closest friends. I love them all. I didn't feel like we quite got there um, into the conversation that I wanted to have. I um I wanted to call the album or the episode musical bigotry mm-hmm. because I do think there's some of that. You know, we're a bunch of white guys, and do we embrace hip hop or R and B or funk or soul um, like we should? Is that a cultural thing? Is that generational? Is it socioeconomic? Is it uh, when you know I we like Sly and the Family Stone, but do we get Sly and the Family or whatever it might be? I wanted to really explore that. And none of them wanted their names, understandably, attached to an episode with the word bigotry in the title. So um, I changed it to bias and kind of expanded it. But yeah, I do think there's something there. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why we're like that. I don't know why we're, um, I don't know, conditioned to not be open-minded to certain genres. Like Brad Page, for instance, hates 80s music. And BJ what? isn't a... I know, I know, Brad, freaking Brad, and uh, BJ isn't really into hip hop and R and B, and uh, Eric hates Life Is a Highway, and I just wonder, like, why do we hate what we hate, like what we like, and why do why are there those partitions? And I didn't think we quite got there in that conversation, but it was still nice to have my buddies around and talk about it. Um, after that was Deborah Yall of Romeo Void. She was such a funny, sweet lady. I had wanted to have her on before, and um, I had heard that she was kind of difficult to pin down, and I can kind of see that in a way. She's sort of, I don't know, she's just arty and sort of, flaky is the wrong word, but like, uh, I don't know, sort of head in the clouds, it seems, sort of impulsive maybe, and it was different, but she came right through, and we became really good friends, and then she only lives three hours away in New Mexico, so one day she drove up here, went to the local record store, unannounced, didn't like, hey, everybody, Deborah from Romeo Void is here, she just showed up and started signing records at their front, at their desk to like entice people to buy the records the next day for record store day. And she told me she was going to be there. So I drove over and met her and said, hello, she was, she couldn't have been nicer. And one of our listeners uh, who's been, bless his heart, 
fairly active on our web on our Facebook page is DJ Rockstar Aaron. And uh, he's he's a pretty well-known DJ around here. Uh-huh. When I say here, I mean like the Rocky Mountain, Mountain West area. And um, he dresses up and he's got like a wild pink uh, mohawk and he's a, he's a blast. And I've seen, I've interacted with him before on social media, but never met him in person. And he was there too. So we bonded from, it was so great to see DJ rockstar Aaron. Thanks Aaron for your support, by the way. So uh, anyway, that was a fun experience being able to meet Deborah being attached to the um, Valley girl soundtrack probably helped, but um, their story, I, I got to put in a plug for that four one five book that we had the author on last year for such an excellent book. And they feature prominently in there, by the way, and there's a little note to you, Yan, as well as everyone else. I probably am going to start slowing down on book club uh, episodes. I've got a couple more. There's one already recorded. There's one, at least one coming up, but um, I got, I was more interested in those than I was deep dives. And now I'm kind of more into deep dives and I'm trying to put less on your plate. So I'll probably slow down with book clubs. I don't know how many of those I'll do anymore. Here and there, uh, but not a much. I'm okay for I'm okay for just now. Yeah. There may be there may be times where I'm not available, but totally get it. Totally we all have lives, man. Um okay. Iva Davies of uh, Ice House came back and did a deep dive with us for men and Col- man and Col- man of colors. And um Oh, that, that was so good. It was so good. And one thing, if you guys haven't noticed, is that I'm trying to make our deep dives like meaningful deep dives, you know? So we had um, Iva, we had Tony Kay on from Yes. Victor DiLorenzo was supposed to come back on and do a deep dive of the first Viva Femmes album. And then, I don't know, he disappeared because it hit 40, it was its 40th anniversary this year. Was he learning Chinese? He might have been. (laughs) (laughs) He might have been. Um, I might still try and make that happen, but I, uh, I, I'm going for impact now, kind of with the deep dives, and uh, that was—I had a feeling that would be a big one. And um, I don't—I'm not 100% sure if Ivan knew what he was getting signed up for because I went through his PR person. And when we got on, he was very—you know—he was great, talkative, giving us all these behind-the-scenes stories. And then by the time we started getting going track by track, he was almost out of time. So we kind of had to rush through it. But I think we had a really interesting conversation. And that episode blew up. There were, thankfully, lots of people out there, lots of Ice House fans who wanted that information. And it did really well. So I'm glad we did it. And he's another one of those people where I'm just shocked that, you know, they, they'll come back on. They'll talk to us again. I, don't, I, I think he remembered that he talked to me once before. I don't know. But he did it again. And I'm glad he did. Anyway, okay, then we have Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols and so much more. Um, his new album is excellent. I'm, he's another one of those people where it's just surreal that you're talking to Glenn Matlock. He was a little hard to understand. His uh, accent's pretty thick. Did you notice that? A little bit, but he was he was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And was it him? I need to I need to find out if it was him that was involved with the the tune about Boris Johnson. Uh-huh. One of the one of the guys from that band was involved uh-huh. with writing that. I won't repeat the name of the band, but <laughs> <laughs> not on well, here. Yeah, but his new album is called Consequences Coming, which is just uh-huh. the perfect name for an album in this day and age. 
And uh, I mean, he's just a legend. And I don't know that he wants, I mean, he's so much more than just the Sex Pistols. That was a brief, brief section of his career. The last several years, he's been a touring basis with people like Blondie. And um, he just sort of reinvented himself as this like great sideman with uh-huh. a full history and a cool stories and a great hang. And uh, it's kind of shocking to me that Glenn talked to us. Oh, he was really good. I really liked that episode. Yeah. Despite despite him being difficult to get in terms yes. of his accent. Yes. I did. Did you have a challenge for that one? Kind of. Yeah. He he had a thick accent, a little bit of a mush mouth, but it was, uh, you know, I get through it. I got through it a little bit. He's oh, all right. I, I didn't find him too bad, but then I'm used to. That's true. To that. Yeah. That's true. It's not as shocking for you. Yeah. Sure. Um, he did a, he and Steve Diggle did a live thing with the rock on tour guys recently, Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt. And they posted a picture and I just thought three of those four guys have been on our show. First of all, we need Gary Kemp. And in case anyone's wondering, I have been trying to get Gary Kemp on for the last couple of years and uh, I keep getting turned down. So I'm hoping it'll happen eventually, but it just was blowing my mind that I'm looking at these legends up there and Steve and Glenn and Guy have all been on the show and talked to us. In fact, I'll just, I'll just boast for a minute. One, I watched the Wham documentary this weekend. It was so great and I'm watching it and every now and then, you know, they'll show like recording at Live Aid. Oh, and there's Midge and there's Trevor and there's Tony Hadley, and there's you know several people who have been on our show, and or they're you know performing. DC Lee is singing in Wham in the early days. She's yeah. been on the show. There's probably a dozen people that factor into that documentary that have been on the show, and uh, I was just proud of us. We're doing important historical work here. Yeah, we are. We are. We are. Yes, uh, I, I like seeing some of the show, like the the show lineups for when there's like a, a like a festival or something yes I look through and i'm sitting there thinking oh they've been on they've been on, oh, uh-huh. they've been on. <laughs> yes next month here in denver is the lost 80s show and that's when dave wakeling comes and pete Byrne and anna motion and drama rama and all these other bands that we know everybody that's been on these things you know it's just it's fun it's fun to be a part of that world all right. Uh, next up is another book club. It was AC, the ACDC book from uh, Martin Popoff. And um, he's one of my favorite people to talk to because he's so thoughtful and he's such a fantastic writer. I, I don't mean any disrespect to, in fact, there's going to be, uh, they're doing an Aussie at 75 book now. And I just got it in the mail the other day. It wasn't written by Martin. But when I'm, I'm going to have the author of that book on too. I love these books, and when I can, I give them away to you guys. We got, we gave away the Alice Cooper book, and um, maybe one of the others. I don't remember, but um, I love having these people on to kind of dissect these guys' career. And uh, Martin is such a thoughtful writer and a thoughtful critic and historian of music, and he's got some fun sort of. Um, opinions that don't jive with regular with normal thinking like 
thinking like Ziggy Stardust was overrated and stuff like that. So it's kind of fun to poke him and like really get into it with him because he's got these ideas that are kind of out there. But uh, anyway, he's a great talker, a great writer, a great mind. I really loved having him on. You're, I mean, I was thinking about you when I was reading the book because you got to see Axel DC and record and reported back to us when you did. Yeah, and he sings he sings that their songs better than he did his own. I bet he did. <laughs> I bet he did. Wasn't he on the throne when you saw him? Didn't and didn't he have a break? He broke his leg and was sitting on yeah. a throne when you saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But, yeah, but um, that's a historic show you saw. Anyway, that yeah, book is, yeah, yeah. is fun, and Martin's. I great. need to. I need to get that book. He he was. Uh, that's the second time we've had him on, right? Yeah, he did the David yeah. Bowie at seventy-five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Or fifty, he, or whatever it was. Those books, that, particularly the ACDC one, I think I need to get. He was excellent. He is excellent. I love having him on. Speaking of excellent, after that we had Anastasium for two-parter. Um, uh-huh. I loved that. I, from the get-go, he's such a fun funny regular dude you can see why it would be so much fun to make an album with him because Mm -hmm. he's just normal and he's so uh nonchalant he's just like hey man i just i just twirl knobs that's all i do and uh i i don't believe that because obviously he's got some magic in him or else he wouldn't be behind so many fantastic albums but his humility is wonderful and he and i had been going back and forth about doing this for like a year and then it finally worked out bless his heart one thing i think is kind of interesting about this it hadn't it wasn't intended to be two parts but this was happening during like the height of your life being especially crazy so it was easier to split it up and um there is like a 500 download discrepancy between part one and part two really yes which i find really shocking to me because i'm thinking are there 500 people who listened to part one and thought, this is not my jam. I'm not going to bother with part two. Who are you? Why would you think that? Ed is so fun, you know? Yeah. Oh, that was during a, a very crazy time. Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I really... Made it out really, the other end. Yes. Yeah. I really appreciated the break. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that everybody, everybody that filled in. Thank you. Yes. Really, truly, thank you. Yeah, no kidding. We needed it. Yeah, I uh, I just thought he was fun. I was a little. He was so kind of all over the place, and his mind was going a million miles a minute. And it, there were all these tangents, but they were all fun tangents. And I was wondering if that's what people had an issue with because his part one is one of our top ten episodes of the year, and then there's a pretty steep do- drop off with part two. And I think was it annoying? Were people annoyed by the fact that he was kind of all over the place? But that's part of his charm. You know, so anyway, I didn't get it, but I hope everyone well, will it, do both. Well, it could be just the like the closeness to the when the ne- the, the next episode came out. Yeah, it could be too. Sure. It could be. Maybe they just hadn't gotten to it yet, but I hope you will. All right. Then after that was a, I gotta say I'm pretty proud. A major achievement for me personally, and that was getting Robbie Neville on here. I have. He is a absolute mystery to me. He pops in in the mid-80s, mid to late 80s, has like four hits, and then completely disappears. 
and he came out of nowhere. He wasn't, I don't know, funny looking is the right word. He wasn't funny looking, but he had this long hair. It looked almost slightly androgynous, this little baby face and the dimpled chin, long Michael Hutchins-like hair, sings like, you know, this total soulful voice, singing these pop songs, C'est La Vie, that are, everyone likes, but no one's heard the like of before or since. And then he just completely disappears. And I think, where in the world do you go, Robbie Neville? And why are you so difficult to pin down? And after years of trying, he finally agreed to come on. And then we, he was like the most regular guy ever. I thought he was going to be this total weird recluse. And he was not like that at all. We just no. had the most fun conversation. And he became a friend. We've emailed a few times since then. He was, but to me, that was an absolute great get. He was yes. so, so down to earth. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And he's had a totally successful life. And you could tell that he's way more driven by this time with getting placements and, you know, getting songs selected for whatever movies, cartoons, commercials, TV shows, whatever. That's a much more driving force. In fact, um, there were several parts in the, in our interview where I was, he, his whole thing was, he did not want to come off sounding like a victim. And um, so I started asking him about, like, how did you feel when the solo career ended? Well, you know, it just kind of ended out of nowhere. And then you went back to anonymity. And he was like, look, I." he talked about it. But then afterwards, he was like, if you don't mind, if you could cut that out, because I just don't want anyone thinking that I'm a victim or I'm ungrateful or I'm sad in any way. And he wasn't. He didn't come off that way at all. But he was so concerned about sounding that way that he asked us to cut it out, which we did. And, um, yeah. but just, I was totally thrown for a loop on that one. I, it's one of my proudest well, moments. And if you think, if you think about it, what he was focusing on, you know, doing the work for other folks or, or soundtrack stuff or ads or whatever, musicians doing their own, own stuff. Isn't that lucrative anymore? I mean, no. You take the Elton John concert that I went to, but that's where they make their money is too, and they're yeah. not making anything on, on yeah, no, they're like not album sales anymore. No, they're making practically nothing. Yeah, they're paying they, for it themselves. Jim Bob had some interesting thoughts that we'll get to in a minute when we get to his episode on that. But yeah, so, it's sad. So, you know, so what Robbie was doing was he was doing the stuff that makes him a. a, a, a whatever living he makes yeah yeah i know i i love that one i am i gotta say i'm super proud of myself for making that one happen because uh, i i had never before heard or even read him being interviewed and maybe there's stuff that I'm, in fact afterwards i realized there are a few things on youtube not a ton but i purposely didn't even want to find it because i don't want i don't want to be influenced i want to go in with my um, most sincere curiosity in talking with him, and um, it totally paid off. It was great. So, have you have you had a look at like stuff since? Have you seen anything since other than us? No, not really. Like I said, there's a couple of uh, you know we've talked about doing this too, Yan. If people have asked us to post our interviews on YouTube. And, mm -hmm. um, but we just were so busy. You have to like change the file and all this kind of stuff. So I, neither of us have ever gotten around to doing it, but there are a few of those, you know, where it's like this 
it's Zoom and me and I'm on one side and he's on the other. There's a few of those, but I don't think anyone's gone as in deep as he and I did. Well, most of your hosting sites will actually give you an opportunity to uh, post to YouTube. Uh, you can set it, oh. so it does, set it so it does automatically. Really? But, yeah. We might have to figure that out then at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're yeah. missing something. I don't know how we would do for all the backlog, but yeah, going forward, we can do it where we it goes to YouTube because I do that for the football one that I do. Oh, you do? Oh. Yeah, so it automatically posts to YouTube, Twitter, and a couple other places as soon as I hit post on the oh. on on Podbean. We might have to that. do this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, and I didn't realize it was that er- that easy. By the way, I Andy and I talked about your other podcast when you weren't on here before. Tell us about it again. So it's. Uh, so this so Dunfermline is now a city, so the city where I live, uh-huh. uh, the local football team or soccer team to our, our US listeners uh, is Dunfermline Athletic Football Club. Uh, they have an association for all the former players, people that have played for the club mm-hmm. or been involved with the club in some in some capacity. So once a month at the usually like the last or second to last usually the last friday of the month we put out an episode put out an episode with somebody that has have been involved with the club maybe a for, usually former player mm-hmm. and talk about their life at the club mm-hmm. and where else they've played and what they what they've done since then one of the local musicians had written a a piece of music and he gave us permission to use it and so i splice so cool. it up. yeah yeah you you yeah. actually you won't hear where i've spliced it but <laughs> I've, spliced, I've spliced it so it uh-huh. so there was two of a particular thing and i've done it so it's three ah got of it a, of a, a remix yeah so i've done it so it's three of a particular section of this of the song that's great and i've at the other at the tail end of it i've taken part of it and i've meshed it so that it gets a, a bit of a run of the chorus and then it nice. smoothed out into the ending and you wouldn't know that that's great it You're the chef putty bone of remixing football podcast music that's great <laughs> so yeah cool so do that and uh, that's just once a month so I one of my dreams is to do that exact podcast, but for the Utah Jazz, oh, and okay. um, I want to do. I I'll have to, who knows when. This gig is do already it. like a second job. Do it, and Jazz. Pro- do it, and I'll produce it. I'm a jazz fan. I know you are. Yeah, yeah. Why not just have three or four more podcasts on top of your already busy life, Yad? Why not? Well. I'll- <laughs> You be careful. You're saying this. I'm going to take you up on it, and then suddenly you're going to need another sabbatical because you, you're uh, producing so much stuff. Oh no, I'm good. No, I'm good. No. Okay. I needed, okay. Needed to break. But, okay. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm uh, good. I love this. You're the best, yeah. Um, okay, going back real quick. I'm going to burn through this because I can smell dinner upstairs being cooked, and I want to go eat my Sunday dinner. Uh, we yeah. had Shane Robitaille of the Rocket Crew book on. Shane was such a nice man. And he contacted me saying, I wrote this book and I think it'd be good for your podcast. And he was totally right. It's not a very big book. It's 
You can read it in like a couple of hours, but it is so cinematic. You can absolutely see the movie of this book being played out. It's basically, like I said, it's like stand by me only it happens in the eighties and they, all the kids listen to hip hop. It is such a fun little book. And we had a spare copy that James actually, it was so interesting to me. Of all of our thousands of listeners and all of our Patreon supporters, the person who won this book lives five blocks from me. And uh, so I, it almost felt like I, when I emailed Shane and I was like, the winner actually is in my neighborhood. I didn't want him to think that I was like gifting it to my friend and calling it, but that's James won. So anyway. James won the book and he lives like just a few blocks away. Um, oh, that's cool. Anyway, I thought it was good. And I hope that it works out for Shane that it gets turned into a movie because you can absolutely see it. Then we had Brad Roberts. This is where um, you start checking out. You take the rest of the month off so I can burn through some of these since they don't uh, apply to you so much. Brad Roberts of the crash test dummies comes in and look, I, you know, I think some of their music is fun. Some of it's a little too quirky for me. Um, but I was so fascinated in wanting to understand Brad Roberts as an artist. You've got this really unique voice. You write really quirky songs. You've had some success. Did you, are you so single-minded that you were like, I'm going to succeed on my terms no matter what? Or did you were record labels asking you to change who you are? Or did you think, yeah, if I can get one quirky hit that can pay my bills forever, that's good enough for me. And um, he ended up being so much more humble than I imagined him to be. I thought he was going to be sort of snarky and sarcastic, and he wasn't at all. And there's that one line where, and where I'm asking him about, did anyone ever make you feel like you needed to change your singing voice in order to become successful? And he said, yeah, me. I'm the one who told myself that. And I thought that was a really uh, introspective and humble thing to say. And uh, anyway, he turned out to be such a nice man. And uh, special thanks to Ryan Murphy, who stepped in and produced that app, that episode. He did great. And I kind of came away with more of an appreciation for Brad and what he does after that episode. You remember the crash test dummies, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that one was fun. I'm glad that happened. And then after that was Don Letts. Oh, what? Definitely quirky. Quirky is the word. Absolutely. Yeah. But yep. Good. In a good way. Absolutely. Fantastic musicians. And, um, you know, sometimes I just like really dark, deep, emotive, heavier kind of music, but that's not what they do. But what they do, they're really good at. I'm glad they have, you know, a core audience that will follow them. Um, after that was Don Letts. And uh, Rob Disner stepped in for that one. And it was funny when Rob offered to produce an episode for us, I said, well, these are all the ones that need to come out in May. Is there one that you want to do? And he said, Don, absolutely. Cause he's a huge clash fan. Don was one of the best like rock on tours that I think we've ever had just in terms of storytelling. What I think is kind of interesting about this. I think I took it for granted how fun and entertaining that episode would be because I watched the documentary on him just a couple of days before we talked to kind of get ready to make sure I understood him better. And I watched one of his documentaries and he's got a book out there. And a lot of the stories he told in our interview 
come up in the documentary Rebel Dread. And so to me, I sort of feel felt like I was hearing something I already knew. But this is where this is one of my failures is because I always figure that because I've heard this before, it's not that interesting. And I forget that 95% of you out there listening don't know what I'm even, you don't know. You didn't just watch Rebel Dread two days earlier and have these stories fresh in your mind. I did that. And so it didn't ruin anything for you. And this is all about you ultimately anyway, not me. And so anyway, it, when I was able to step back, I realized that that was one of the most entertaining hours we've ever had on here. And Rob made it perfect. So, and he's another legend, big audio dynamite. He's a legend for being a trendsetter or a tastemaker more than being a musician. And unfortunately his solo album got bumped to September, but I didn't want to hang on to his interview for four more months. And so I just put it out when, I originally intended to put it out. And I'm glad I did because it was a blast and he was great. I think that's one of our more entertaining episodes ever. You weren't around for it, but trust me, it was good. Yeah. Well, he is. He is good guy though. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. He's great. Um, your buddy, and Chris. Th Lamp. Thanks for all. Yes. Thank you, Rob. Chris Lemp, um, submitted a couple of questions for that one too, which was great. Chris is a big fan. Hello to Chris out there. After Dawn, it was Stephen Patman of Chapter House. Um, they're a band, I don't know how many people out there know Chapter House. And especially, I don't know how many Americans know Chapter House. I didn't really know them. I don't know that I've ever heard them on the radio. But when I moved to Cambridge, when Yan and I became friends back in 1991, their album Whirlpool with the deep blue cover and the white cat curled up um, was still in shops. And I used to see it everywhere. It's a very striking album cover. And um, somebody that I went to sixth form with, I think, had the tape or something and loaned it to me or played it in the, the what's it called? Common Room? That's the name of, like, the lounge at the sixth form, right? Yeah. Common Room? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I really loved what I heard. And then later on, I saw the CDs used in a store or whatever, and I bought them, and they're fantastic. And this new... What is it? Six disc, I think, box set discovery or discography, I should say, of all of their work, all of their albums, all of their remixes, everything you could want. And they were a band I really loved. And I think a lot of our UK listeners know and appreciate them as well. That episode did really well. And um, I don't I hope we turn some Americans on Chapter House because they deserve it. And a huge thanks to our buddy Ken Mills, who was going through and is still almost kind of recovering from a bit of a health scare poor guy and he did this i uh, it made i feel really guilty asking people for help anyway and then for help when their health isn't good and he stepped up anyway it really meant a lot so thank you ken for doing that and i'm not going to ask you to do anything for a while because i feel like i already am so indebted to you for you being just one of the best people on earth Anyway, yeah, thank, 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 yeah, absolutely, thank you, Ken. Yeah, we we can't thank you enough. No, no, he's the best. Then was Dave Thomas of Perubu, and here's the other thing. Okay, let's be honest. Perubu's music is difficult. It's difficult to listen to. It's difficult to get wrap your mind around. Some of it I like, obviously the poppier stuff. Some of it is just too daggum weird for me. I admit it. 
And Dave is, David, I should say, is a known grump. He's prickly. He can chew up and spit out interviewers. He has a reputation of this. And when I was offered the opportunity to interview him, and I thought, ooh, I want to see if I can rise to this challenge. I want to see if I can come out of the lion's den that is David Thomas without a mark on me. Let's see how this goes. So I agreed to it, and I think we did okay. I don't think he, you know, I, I don't know that he's going to send me a Christmas card, but I think I got out of there without, you know, too much blood. Um, so thank, I, I'm amazed that that happened. And James Milton, who I keep mentioning, he produced that one for us. So thank you, James, for doing that for me as well, for us as well. I don't know if anyone out there likes or what your thoughts on Perubu are. You have to really have an open mind musically to love Perubu, and I know a lot of you do. Um, I wanted to take on that challenge. That's why I did it. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, James, on that one. I, I helped him out a little bit on that one. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. I don't think he had done this kind of thing before, and so um, we helped him along. Though he was great. Um, yeah. Then we had Simon Kirk of Bad Company. You were back by now. Yeah, back and ready to go. And yeah, um, Bad Company is one of those bands you have to love. Really? Yes. yes. Even, even the Brian High years. Yes. I was amazed that he talked as openly as he did about Brian Howe. I didn't think he would want to touch it. And maybe maybe I did a good job of kind of warming him up to, to that. But I thought we got just as much interesting Brian Howe era information out of him than regular Bad Company or free era information. And I wasn't expecting that. Um, I have to give a big thanks to Steve, uh, Steve Cooper, our buddy from Cooper Talk, because he had Simon on a while. I'd always had Simon in mind, by the way, to come on the show, but I hadn't actively pursued it. And he had Simon on a while back. It was like, oh, it's really easy. Just go to the website, let him know that, you know, if you need to drop my name. And sure enough, then Simon replied. And it was a couple of months of going back and forth, but it finally happened. I mean, he was a legend. And that was, I purposely kind of saved that one for right when you came back, Ian, because I thought you would like to put that one together. And uh, yeah. It was great. I've, I've got, I think I've, I've got a deluxe edition of a, like, their, their. Uh, I think it's probably a greatest hits, probably. Yeah. But yeah. it's got some, it's got some demos on it. Oh really? Yeah, it's good. I bet it is. I love them. Yeah. I wish we. I don't know. I think sometimes people call our podcast an '80s podcast, and I very purposely try not to. I know that the '80s is kind of my sweet spot because that's the decade I grew up in. But I try my best to get a little bit of everything, um, at least up into the '90s. And I mean, um, we, we do. We've had. We've had. We've probably had people that were around in the '60s, the '70s, yes. the '80s, the '90s. Stu Cook, even Louise Post, big '90s person. Yeah. I I try to get a little bit of everybody in there, and. Um, that was that meant a lot. That was a pretty good one because he's a legend, and I can't believe what a life. What a, I mean, all the things he's seen. You know, mm-hmm. he's been through like every generation of rock, just about. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy to me. Um, and I like that one a lot too. He was a really super nice guy. He offered to come back on too. We might have to do a deep dive of a of Ooh, a bad company good. album sometime. Yeah, that would be good. Yep. 
Um, after that was Louise Post, which again I had, I did not have, I had small expectations for that one. Um, I was told ahead of time, please don't ask her about Dave Grohl, which I respected. I wouldn't want to have to talk about that for the rest of my life either. And they said, please try and focus on the new album. And I actually honestly like her new solo album better than any Baruch Assault album, which took me by surprise. So it was no problem at all focusing on the new album with her. And then to kind of, it felt like, felt like we bonded really quickly. And what became kind of clear to me were these vulnerabilities, is the word I kept coming back to, in terms of her writing for the new album, her place in life right now. And I was just kind of picking up on that. And I think she, I think it tapped into something in her that she responded to. And then we were kind of both, you know, bonding over our mutual vulnerabilities. And it really took me by surprise. And she was talking about her, her spiritual side. There's a song on the new album about talking to God and, you know, kind of coming to terms with where she is in her life. And I just was, I had no idea we were going to have that kind of bonding, vulnerable conversation. And yet we did. She was wonderful. I really liked her a lot. Oh, yeah. 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 And I'm here to tell you, she's beautiful. She looked great when we saw her, when I saw her in concert. The pretty um, lady. I think, yeah, it was good, good to get uh, more women on the show. That's, we've talked about that a lot. It is uh, yeah. always trying to get more women on here. And um, um, it's getting a little better. Women, and God, I, I would give anything to have more r&b artists it is so difficult i don't know why it is i if anyone out there wants to help put me in touch check it run it by me first but if you have an idea of an r&b or hip-hop or funk or soul artist or whatever that you would like to see on the show chances are i've tried but let me know and if you can find a way to get them on let's do it because i don't know what to do i would have them on so much more often Anyway, okay, after after Louise was <laughs> Dean Rowland of uh, Collective Soul and Brock Walsh. I'll get to Brock in a minute. I got to tell you a funny story about Dean. So I, I that interview with Dean has been in place for over a year. And I, I would hear from his person every few months. Dean has a half hour on Thursday. Can you do it? And I couldn't do it. I'd have a work meeting or I'd be on vacation or something like that. And then months would go by and I'd check in. Hey, Dean, ready to talk? Can we do this? Nope, haven't heard anything. Finally, it happens. And he only has about 25, 30 minutes. I kept him closer to 40 because he said that was okay. And we cut it. <laughs> I'm embarrassed by this. We cut it out. But before I, before I, when I was getting ready to talk to him, I was going back over my old e emails with the PR person. And one of them was talking about Collective Souls summer tour with Switchfoot. So I started asking him about his tour with Switchfoot. He's like, John, John, just let me stop you right there. That was last year. And I didn't realize this. I didn't realize that his PR person and I had been emailing for so long that I thought he was coming on to talk about the summer tour with Switchfoot. And he's so busy in preparing for that tour that's why he can only talk for 25 or 30 minutes turns out that tour that tour already happened a year ago 
the thirtieth anniversary stuff or whatever it is, the thirtieth, yeah, is next year. And so there's really nothing going on. I mean, they're playing a bunch of like festivals and stuff, but no like major announcement for this summer. And I'm thinking, if there's no major announcement, why am I only getting 25 or 30 minutes? Let's do the full thing here. But so it kind of threw me for a loop. I, it's my own fault. I read what I thought was a more current email talking about the summer tour. Turns out it was an old one. So anyway, it didn't end up being a very long conversation. It was a great conversation. It was fun. But um, it, while it's happening, I'm like, why is this only so short? And what are we supposed to promote? I'm fuzzy on this. I don't know. But anyway, that's what happened there. You're, do you remember Collectives? I mean, they were oh, like yeah. one of the bands of the 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some of their stuff. Yeah, same. They're good. Yeah. yeah. And uh that would have been a great tour to see, actually, because I like both those. <laughs> I like both those bands. I know. I don't know how I missed this or screwed it up, but I did. But anyway, I mean, we got to have a wonderful conversation, and it was. I try to make even if if we can only go for like 20, 30 minutes, like with Nick Kershaw or something. I try to make it, you know, as good and hearty a conversation as can be. I could have gone longer with him, but whatever. We got he agreed to like forty minutes, so that was good. Now let's talk about Brock Walsh. So. While I'm interviewing Robbie, he mentions his relationship with Brock Walsh. That name sticks out because Brock is one of those names, like Shelley Pikin or Robbie Neville or whatever, that I see on having co-written songs on soundtracks or whatever mm -hmm. that I've always noticed. And he had he put out a solo album in the early 80s called Dateline Tokyo, if I remember right, and had a song on it called Paper Doll. That I love. I've never heard the album. I found that song later in life. Um, turns out it's because he's friends with Ed Zwick, the director, which blew my mind. And um, so as soon as Robbie mentioned Brock Walsh, I was like, you have to put me in touch with Brock Walsh. I want to talk to Brock Walsh. And Brock Walsh and I became like best friends. We did this interview in three different pieces. And um, because of time constraints or whatever, and one of the things was because I forgot to ask him about a song that I really wanted to get into. And at the end of it all, he was like, John, are we done recording? And I was like, yes. And he said, can we be friends? I want us to be friends. I want, oh, he says this to me. I want us to stay in touch. In fact, I want you to come and feast at my table. The next time you are in Southern California, you tell me, and you are going to have dinner at my house. I am oh, cooking oh, and hosting awesome. for you. Isn't that amazing? He says that yeah, to that me. Is. Yes. Awesome. It was awesome. It was so sweet of him. Yeah. Anyway, we just totally connected. I loved Brock Walsh. And it's just, it's so fun to see you go your whole life seeing a name in a liner note or whatever on a soundtrack. And then you become buddies with this guy. And I got to find a reason to go back down to Southern California so that I can go to dinner at Brock Walsh's house. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. Okay, we're almost done here. Real quick. Um, the ZZ Top Deep Dive with Terry Manning. That was something that I've had in mind ever since Terry originally came on. I sometimes want to give people a little break from me in case they didn't. I don't know if they like me that much or whatever. I, I'm starting to feel a lot of affection and nostalgia for our for many of our former guests, and deep dives are the best way to reconnect with these people. So I'm, I might go back to 
maybe one a month or something like that, if that's okay with you, Yan, because I, yeah, I love absolutely. doing them. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to hear Der Terry's perspective on that album in particular, because I think it's such a, a transformative and key album of the era. I'm not even the world's biggest ZZ Top fan, although I think it's hard to not like those hits from that album. Have but you seen be, them live? No, I never have. Have you? Yes. Really? So I saw, yeah, I saw them at the Interest Arena in uh, Wichita. Uh, so there was uh, Leonard Skinner and then them. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. They, they, that would be a night of just blues guitar noodling like you wouldn't believe your head would explode yep uh, i wish i could i wish i could drum if i could uh -huh. the two tracks i'd want to be able to drum the first one's going to be bonham's stuff from when the levy breaks and Sorry. the other one frank beard from give me all your loving there that, you go absolute classic yes absolutely i love that too yeah, it was really fascinating. I thought it was really interesting of Terry to open up that back in the day, he couldn't be that open and honest about how much of the album was drum machines and synthesizers and stuff like that, because they needed to give the impression that all three band members were equally playing and invested. But that really wasn't what it was. It was sort of made piecemeal by Billy and the ideas he had in his head. And I should say, I, I touched on this. There's a character involved in all of this named Lyndon Hudson, who was a big um, collaborator with Billy at the time. And if you read the history of that album, I mean, even just on Wikipedia, he's very involved. And there's a lot of trouble there around like, um, you know, he sued them a few times for like writing credits. And, and I don't know, it does sound to me like he is very involved with Billy in the creation of that album, but they don't. You know, there's a lot of suing and um, legal legality. stuff that they, yeah. that they can't talk about. Yes. Yeah. And when I mentioned it to Terry, he said, I can't talk about it either because of for legal reasons. And I totally respected that. So we got the good side of that story, but that was still worth it. And I heard from many of you who were like, I've always wondered what the real story from the instrumentation was on that album. And now we know. So, And that one did really well, too. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, okay, then lastly, we had Jim Bob from Carter, The Unstoppable Sex Machine. And as I said in there, I'm no expert on that band. But when I lived in England with you in the early 90s, they were one of the biggest bands in the country at that time. Uh -huh. And yeah. you can't forget the name. You can't forget the way they look. You can't forget their music at the time because it's just so, all of it's so different and kind of ex mind expanding. And so when I was given the opportunity to talk to the to Jim Bob now about his solo work and I thought I could either go into that interview pr pretending like I'm this Jim Bob expert and I've been listening to him and Carter all along or I can go in and be honest and like look I know some of what you've done I've kept up on some of it a lot of it I don't know but I've always been really curious and be open to having him teach me which is what I did and I think it worked out better that way and um, I really thought it was interesting what he was saying in there about how like how many more times do we need to does the radio need to play like ed sheeran we kept beating up on ed sheeran nothing against ed sheeran but he was the name that kept coming up we've all heard those songs by now isn't can't we fade some of those out and fade new stuff in and just keep you know keep people 
guessing and learning and exploring and stuff like that and i thought it's so true i don't it must be so hard for a guy like jim who was huge in the 90s to put out a new album it's not going to get heard anywhere by anyone except his core fans you know yeah i don't listen to Ed Sheeran. I, I don't either i don't even <laughs> the look on your face i don't listen to him either I, nothing against Ed sheeran but i'm more interested in what jim bob's doing than i am what Ed sheeran's doing you know more interesting to me and his commentary on culture is so witty he reminds me of like uh oscar wilde or something like that just Mm -hmm. that bite and that sarcasm mixed with wisdom um as i said it kind of reminds me a little bit of wild or weird al too i just think he's a he's a really interesting unique talent and um Maybe it's too English. Maybe it's not for everyone. Maybe it's not for Americans. I don't know. But uh, I kind of find him amazing that he can write such perfect critiques of the uh-huh. world today. Well, see, you you had, even though you only really had a short time over here, there's, you know, there's a good bit of time with a lot of good music coming out at the time you were here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so well, you get ex- exposure to a lot of good stuff. And what it did was it cemented my interest in British music that I already had coming coming to England with me, and it peaked, it it planted the seed for continuing with that going forward. So I just leaned toward British music, and that was a really interesting period of time to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, it was. I really like Jim Bob too. That's pretty much everything for us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we did it. That's another uh, three months, you know, in the books. Yeah. We'll do this, and hopefully, Andy can join us too next time. But we'll do this again in what October? Is that the next? That's the next one, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. end of September, beginning of October. Yeah. yeah. Beginning of yeah. October. Yeah. 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 Um, well, good. Um, I want to close it out. I, as I mentioned last time when Andy and I just did it impromptu without any editing, the downside of that is that I don't get to play music from anybody who sends us music. And I wanted to um, close this out with a song from one of our listeners named Dan Phillips. Dan is a recording artist under the name Zapruder Point. And it's, um, it's really excellent kind of um, singer songwriter acoustic guitar, really thoughtful lyrics. Again, going back, really interesting commentary on the world today. He put out a new album called Backyard Babies in March. And there's a song off of it that we really like called Here Somewhere. And so we're going to close it out with Here Somewhere from Zapruder Point. If you want to go on Spotify or whatever to um, stream his stuff and check out more, please do, because it's worth it. All right, yeah. Until next time. Thank you. Okay. Hide it on a light bill on the log. Stick it on a stretcher tag. New tune or an ancient melody. Who could tell the difference? Hey? Sudden spotter disappears. It's gotta be here somewhere. Lying on her up in the balcony She's reading in the head
the sun Didn't she dissolve your gravity Weren't you the lucky one Put the name on the jacket It isn't so clear It's gotta be here somewhere It's gotta be here somewhere Somewhere. It's gotta be here somewhere. 